Welcome to All Places Together, a place where stories are shared. Stories about life before us, stories about what happens between us, and stories that have yet to bloom. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here is a story for you, a story called Haven of Hospitality. Today we gather with Cedric Wilson. Cedric is the owner and therapist at Seeking Wellness Counseling Services. He has practiced both in private, collegiate, and community mental health settings. He's a licensed professional counselor. Cedric is also a home chef and a total foodie. He aspires to be able to cook all kinds of food like you would have at a restaurant in his own kitchen. One of his latest undertakings is homemade pasta, which I'm super impressed with. So welcome, Cedric. Thank you so much for coming to All Places Together. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. So tell us, where do you call home and who do you share it with? So home has been Roanoke, Virginia, probably for the last or the majority of the last 12 years. I share that with my wife, Caroline, and my two daughters, Chloe and Claire. Wonderful. Wonderful. Do you have any pets? I do. I do. His name is Atlas. Uh, He is a Brittany Spaniel mix. Um, We go back and forth between whether or not he's going to have a job with me, whether or not uh, I will employ him as a therapy dog. But he shares a household as well, being just our personal therapy dog. That's always good. Yeah, we, you know, we have a dog and she is kind of our personal mm-hmm. therapy dog mm-hmm. as well. That's right. Job yeah. number one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, as you know, um, we're here to kind of dig into stories about what are important places to us and how God is with us in those places. Mm-hmm. So Cedric, what is one of the most important places to you? Yeah. So when you asked me this question, I kind of went through the list of places. And I think although there is a number of ones that are important to me that have been of importance to me, home sticks out as the Mm. like top one. Yeah, for sure. So home as in like the home that you share with Caroline and your girls or home as in your childhood home or both? It would definitely be my childhood home. I think that has been the most formational. Um, and I think that's like pretty, uh, a pretty shared experience for many people. Um, and I think through my experiences in my childhood home, I've been able to kind of mm. like bring that into adult life and kind of create an atmosphere, at least I hope that I want to then share with my family and my girls now. That's wonderful. So who did you share your childhood home with then? Yeah, so that was uh, my mom and my dad and my younger brother. And uh, since we're naming pets here, my oh, yeah. my uh, first pet, uh, Lamb Chop. Wonderful. Yeah. Was Lamb Chop a dog? Yes, Lamb Chop was a dog. Okay. Yeah, she she was great. Um, I, I wanted to originally name her pork chop after the, the <laughs> dog yes right yeah because <laughs> i thought if i named her pork chop she'd be able to like talk back basically like that seems like really solid logic that's right so as, if she's lamb chop 
Does she sing like Lamb Chop's Play Along? No, because that song is obnoxious. Yeah, that song is good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what was, what are some of the important things about your childhood home with your parents and your brother that were so formative for you? I think uh, the biggest thing was just that I could experience the gamut, like full range of emotions and experiences in a place that felt safe. Hmm. So, you know, when I think about childhood and life growing up, like it definitely wasn't rainbows and sunshine all the time, but I really do feel like blessed. I feel like essentially kind of like God had created a hedge of protection in ways for that particular space for me in which, you know, I could be really, really excited and happy in that space, but I could also like wade through emotions and situations that were a struggle too. Um, and be honestly, and when I think about my past, I feel like God has intervened in ways that I can only see in hindsight mm-hmm. um, to like curb me from choices that would not have been good for me overall. Yeah. Yeah. And is that something that like your, your parents helped you understand faith and build your relationship with God? Or is that something you did more on your own? Um, I think it was a mixture of both. I think, you know, interestingly, they modeled a lot more than they taught directly. Mm, Yeah. And so that came with observation. And I watched my mom and my dad be very dedicated members of their churches. Yeah. But I also got to see them be hospitable. And I think that was a major takeaway for me um, growing up and learning to welcome others. So it wasn't just a Sunday morning thing that they you saw them really living out their faith through hospitality mm-hmm. and probably in the way it sounds like they cared for you and your brother as well. Yeah. Yeah. As I look back on it too, I think they took different approaches. So I think of the like Martha and Mary example. Oh yes, yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about Martha and Mary in case people aren't as familiar with them. Okay. So I'm gonna tell you what I know and I'll let you fill in the gaps if I miss anything. We're here but, together. <laughs> Don't worry. But uh Martha was one of the sisters that welcomed Jesus in. Both Martha and Mary were sisters. They welcomed Jesus into their home. And I think the uh, Bible kind of paints this picture of two different approaches to creating hospitality. And so Martha in the story is the one that is like doing all the work and doing all these preparations to make sure that the environment and the space is hospitable. Yeah. And then Mary is the one that is much more direct and personable and sociable to then welcome Jesus and have this like one-on-one time. And, uh, I think as well in like how we hear portrayals or lessons about those moments, Martha gets like a really bad rap. Oh yeah, definitely. For for not attending directly. No, it's like terrible. But whenever I hear this story, I always hear from the Brady Bunch and I know the older sister is Marsha, Mm -hmm. but in my mind it's like Martha, Martha, Mm -hmm, Martha. mm -hmm. Like that's like in just such a negative tone. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Yeah. So my dad, I think was definitely Martha. Yeah. Um, so he would learn that people were coming over and he would get to work. You know, okay. it wasn't just like cleaning. And I remember with my friends specifically, 
you know, like they knew that if they came over to my house, my dad would like start like preparing whatever favorite snack that he learned about from them. And at some point it would show up. Yeah. You know, and so then it became this thing like, well, I'm going to go over to Cedric's house because I know that his dad's going to make me this thing or that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, my mom was definitely the Mary. And so like when we had parties or gathering when family was over, she would definitely be the one that was like in it and attending to people uh, throughout the night. That's such a beautiful um, representation of both of those gifts of hospitality. Mm -hmm. But I also have to say too, like with your dad, like how he's listening or comes to know what your friend's favorite things are. That is kind of like a Mary thing too, though, because it means like it shows that he's listening and just not that it's like meaningful behind the the gift of hospitality that he's sharing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, spaces, environments are important. And uh, that's always why I kind of had, a, I think, a different perspective of Martha in general. But, sure. you know, like there's work yeah. that goes into like creating a space that you feel good in. Yeah. And I think that's important, too. Yeah, so definitely. Those were kind of the takeaways from from them. Yeah. And was it like one? Because we we're like talking about a place. So is the place like the relationship with your family or is it like the physical house or houses themselves? Yeah. Uh, I think it's both. Mm -hmm. Um, When I go back through my memories of that house, there are designated spaces basically for different things. So, you know, like my room, my bedroom was like for rest. And, you know, that kind of felt like, no matter what I went through throughout the day, I could like go back and spend yeah. time there. Um, like the kids space, me and my brother's space was the basement and we kind of like set that up and you know, that changed as we were growing up too to like be different things. So, you know, at first it's like for toys and then when you get older, it's like for video games Beanbag um, chairs. Yep. Uh, we never had beanbag chairs. My parents were not a fan. Okay. There was always enough. a concern. Like if they burst, Oh, gosh. And the beads are everywhere. Everywhere. Or the beans are everywhere. Whatever, yeah. I don't yeah. actually know what's in those things. Me neither. Other than a mess. I've never owned one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so that became, like, our space to start learning how to interact with our peers and our friends to, like, yeah. like start trying out those skills of, like, welcoming people and being hospitable. Um, and then... Uh, like I think about our dining room, which mm. which was really like our bigger extended family space. And sure. there are different periods of time that I can remember, like we had scheduled time with family. So, you know, our extended family may come over every Sunday, for okay. example, when we had parties like that's kind of like where things were centered. Yeah. And so that kind of felt like the heart of the home. That was like the celebrating space. And then there was a very specific spot in the house um, that was like a screened in outdoor porch. Ooh, that sounds beautiful. It, it was. It was very small, but it felt like really intimate. Mm-hmm. And that's where we had, or at least that's where I had, I think, a lot of like personal reflection. Yeah. If I ever wanted to have a serious one on one, vulnerable, intimate conversation with one of my friends, like, I know exactly where I'm going. Yeah. And that was the space to do it in. And so 
like definitely the people in the house modeled something about hospitality, but I think there are literal spaces in that house too, where they just kind of naturally became designated for different things. Yeah, I can totally see that. And like, as you are talking about those different spaces, I'm thinking about my childhood home and, mm-hmm. and our dining room table and what, you know, the meals shared there like that. I think I imagine that lots of folks would have parallel spots, even in, in their childhood home or maybe in their friend's childhood mm-hmm, home, mm-hmm. like if their own home was not always as safe of a place, but yeah. maybe somewhere at an aunt or uncle or a friend, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I had uh, kind of wrestled with mentioning a friend's home mm. as well because that that's been a really powerful spot for me in my life. Yeah. And... You know, it's been a haven, I think, at different times. I, I had a best friend uh, named Ben growing up, and, like, that that was, like, a haven for me when, like, even home felt like it was too busy. There was too much going on. Right. I feel like every teenager, at some point, you need to be not where your parents are. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but his house is where I, like, prayed and learned that hmm. counseling was going to be my location that was going to be my calling and it was like a three minute prayer that ended up like shaping the next 15 years of my life wow that's a pretty powerful three minutes yeah i've called it into question like tons of times since then (laughs) like should i have spent a little bit more time yep yep yep. (laughs) maybe five minutes and you would have ended up something else yep (laughs) but it's all come true so yeah that's amazing it has I mean, so we've already like touched on it some, um, but the second question that we're exploring in this series is how has God been with you in that place, in the place of your childhood home, of your friend Ben's house, of your relationship with your parents and your brother? Yeah, so I think in my experiences and my family, like that ha- literally housed a bunch of things, you know, lots of different events. Um, it felt like a lot of my growth and self-discovery kind of was like centered mm. in that house, even if it wasn't in that house. Sure. So I could always kind of like come back and then review what's happening from like the really positive things all through the really negative things at times, you know, like that was the space to learn about it and to like be okay with it. And so when I say like wading through the difficult parts, it really felt like that. Even though at times I think that like being in that space can kind of like cause some stress. So sure. If I could kind of just expand on that for a second. Yeah, please do. Like that, that move to that particular house meant a really significant cultural change for me Mm. and my family. So when we moved in, I was probably about five or six. Was your brother born yet? I don't know how much older you are. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I got that wrong. I think I was actually like nine, nine or ten. Because we moved in, I'm thinking like grade levels when I actually got there was probably like fourth or fifth grade. So that would that would line up closer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and my brother was born. Okay. Um, but he was very young. So I think... The first year there was also his first year in kindergarten. Okay. Um, And why that's important would be because we moved from a space that was 
basically all black. Mm -hmm. Um, So like school was that our neighborhood was primarily black. And then we moved into an area that was primarily white. And although I didn't have necessarily like the words or the like cognitive maturity to understand like what was happening, it was a very dramatic shift. And I definitely kind of like moved from a space where I felt like I was very accepted to one where I was not. And I didn't know why. Sure. And so being in that house at times, even though that meant a lot of changes outside of the house still became like home base, you know, it was still like a safe area for me for coming back to Yeah. to kind of like let out all the things that needed to be let go of. Yeah. Would your parents kind of help you process some of the things that happened at school or was it just coming home to a place where you knew you were safe and were loved just as you are? I think it meant coming home to a space that I knew I was safe and loved. Um, I don't really remember expressing a lot of it. Um, And my family, my extended family um, was very like strong in their black identity. Mm -hmm. Like there was something they're very, very proud of. And like, I knew kind of like once again from what they modeled, not necessarily what they talked about all the time, that that was an important aspect of their lives. But I don't really remember coming home and having conversations with them about it. Sure. I think that was a new experience for them as well. Okay. To a relative extent to like live in an area that was all white. So they were going through a lot of transitions Mm -hmm. on their own. On their, like in their, did they change jobs too? Yeah. Nope. Okay. Just homes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I think finally for, for me would be like the spiritual component. Yeah. And so I think growing in my faith was something that I could do that can like learn about in that house as well. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we share the like Christian camp experience, whereas Uh, where that has been like really, really pivotal in our lives. Um, But then that you always have to come home, right? Yeah. Camp isn't forever unless you're like a camp director. And even then it's, I don't think it's quite the same all year because the campers Mm -hmm. really aren't there year round. So yeah. So it was kind of like you go into this training ground or this like really closed off community where you get to like learn and practice it. And then you come home. And have to figure out how to do that when it's not as structured, when it's not yes. the same kind of like constant environment where you're focusing on God, on Jesus. Yeah. And like building that like intentional community. And yeah, it's also so funny you bring that up. Um, my nephew is at camp for the first time on his own mm-hmm. this week. And I'm just like so excited mm-hmm. to like hear how it goes for him and like what was good and how he struggled. And I'm going to get to see him in a few weeks and hopefully kind of help him do some of that transition right. out. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so with my friends, I think they did not have the same experience that I did. Okay. So they didn't go to the same camp or no. like any Christian camp as much. No. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was the only one out oh, of my group. Yeah. And so then it became... Not quite a test, but it just became like an area where I really got to act on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's just so funny because I feel like when you 
come home from camp um, or even like maybe like coming home from college for a semester, you just like want to tell all your stories like, well, at camp this and there was this guy at camp or there was this girl at camp and at camp we did this. And it's like sometimes your friends can be really overwhelmed with that. Like, yeah, yeah, we know. But like, how do you share some of those experiences or um, that grace you had like in your life with your friends? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's important. Mm -hmm. But I think I would argue that the times away from camp ended up being more critical yeah. than like the safe mm, structured boundary moments at camp. Yeah. I mean, cause it's the other 51 weeks of the year. Yeah, that's like, right. It's, it's most <laughs> of your life. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of different ways that God has been with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in that way and you know, in very like, direct and practical ways. Yeah. So there, there were moments in my life where I think I really was, uh, on fire for, yeah. for Christ. That's still the phrase that we're using. Right now. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm cool enough to know if there's like, I don't know what Gen Z says about it. Right. I'm going to like show my millennialness. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're old. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. There are definitely those moments of like, strong passions and fervor yeah um where i really prayed to god like i don't want just to have like a sense of you lord i don't want to like just read about you and like that's how i know you like i want to know you directly i want to know like you how the apostles knew you yeah yeah and then i got what i wanted and then and that ended up being really scary yeah yeah right isn't that sometimes like Oh, you get exactly what you pray for. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh gosh, what have right. I done? <laughs> what have we done? And so when I'm thinking about that question about how I experience God in my home, that seems like a very direct and practical way to do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I experience God and I also experience things that, you know, are not of God, you know, they're yeah. kind of like potentially evil aspect of spirituality too. Mm -hmm. And I think even in those like really scary moments where you're not quite sure, like what is real and what is not, what might be God and what might be you, um, that those moments kind of carried through into other times in my life when my faith was challenged. Mm. And I thought about like, how can I continue to, live into this faith? How can I continue to believe in God? But I, I did because of those very direct interactions. You'd had that kind of encounter. So yeah, it's like, like how, how can I let go of this? How can I say, no, this doesn't yeah. exist when he has obviously shown up in my life? You know, it's not for you. Maybe it wasn't really like if there's God or not, it's like, how, how am I going to Mm-hmm. figure this out like how am i going to move forward right yeah it wasn't an if but a how if that makes sense yeah well before we get to kind of the last piece um about just like digging a little bit more into the bible i want to ask you know now that you're a father and you're a husband how do you like are there particular things that we've talked about tonight that you try to model for your girls in your in your home mm mm-hmm. So I think the the biggest one would be the element of hospitality. I, I think that's like something that we really feel. That's something that I've always felt is this strong desire for a community to like create it, to enrich it, to live into it. 
And those are the things that I want to create in my own family, like my nuclear family to know that like they are a part of this family, but they're not alone in this family, you know, Mm. so that we are connected one to our extended family, but also to our Christian family. And while that might look different, they're both enriching in different ways. Yeah, definitely. You know, and so like, You've experienced that in different ways too. And you're definitely sharing it with me and my family, but as transplants in this area that has looked a lot different than growing up where basically my whole family has grown up both sides, mom and dad, like have been where they are forever. Yes. My parents are the same way. They were both born and raised in Erie and they still live there. And then, yeah, Nick and I have lived, have transplanted a variety of places mm-hmm. and having to have that, that chosen family of those friends that become family yeah, become really important on the day to day when, you know, something bad happens and you just, and you just need to be able to like tag someone else in to help you. Yeah. So, yeah. And I do want to affirm as being someone who's been able to come to your home, I would say you definitely have the gift of hospitality. Well, thank you. And the food as well. Oh, well, thank you very <laughs> much. I may have to come another time to have the pasta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started on a tangent because I will go off and start talking about pasta. All right, we'll and have I, to do another yeah. episode about pasta. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. So we've talked about Mary and Martha. Are there other stories about hospitality in the Bible that have been important to you? I mean... One thing that jumped into my mind as you were talking about the table was some of the, you know, Jesus is eating a lot in the Gospels and all the different people that Jesus um, eats with. You know, you think about like the Last Supper when Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. with the disciples and there, you know, that where he's washing their feet and they're having the meal and Jesus is saying, you know, love one another as I have loved you that's where they celebrate the Passover that becomes communion for Christians. Like that's such a powerful story too. I think about hospitality for those who are close and even for those who are, well, going to betray you. Yeah. Judas was there. Yeah. Um, so one, I need you to like get out of my head because you're saying <laughs> things that like I thought about saying before we had the podcast recording and now yeah. I'm like, well, since we're here, like I might as well just go ahead and say it. Yeah. But um, yeah. So like that, that hospitality element, I think has always come through at the altar mm. as well as mm-hmm. the last supper. And so like communion and tables are yes. really powerful for me. Um, there was a table in my home probably for like seven or eight years of our marriage um, that was my grandmother's Mm. and that table before it just got like worn down. So like my, my generation took it out. (laughs) My, (laughs) my children took out that table, but like that table, that's right. That table was always really kind of important to me because it just was, it was centered around family. It was centered around community. And so when I would sit at it, I would think about how many other people had sat at that table. Yeah. How my grandparents sat and ate at that table, how that was like where my mom yeah. ate as a kid growing up and how that was a place for me. And then by extension, 
that was a place for my girls and and our friends too. And so there have been, there's like history of love and community just like built into that wood. Yeah. Of course, until we destroyed it. But I think that love and community like gets transferred, Mm -hmm. like that you, you carry it in your heart and like in your girl's hearts and Caroline as well. Like in that, and that moves forward. Oh yeah. Who knows? Maybe your grandkids, great grandkids will be sitting around the table you have now. Yeah. Um, so recognizing that it's definitely not the piece of furniture. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, kind of like people and spaces that created the love for those moments. Um, and we did buy a new table afterwards and we did buy a very hearty one. Mm. I think with some, some far off hope that maybe it could be one of those things that we pass on. It could, yeah. Yeah. Or at least make it through their adulthood. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) Wonderful. Goodness. Well, this has just been a wonderful conversation. I so appreciate you sharing all of these stories with me and with everyone here at All Places Together. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, would you like to share about how folks can connect with you and find you on the internet? Sure. Um, So I have my own private practice right now. Thank you for introducing me at the beginning, Seeking Wellness Counseling Services. So uh, it has been in existence for the last year. You can find me by doing a Google search of just the business name. You can also get in touch with me through my website, seekingwellnesscs.com. And then um, you can find me through email at info at seekingwellnesscs.com as well. Wonderful. And we'll be sure to link that in the show notes as well Mm -hmm. so that folks can just do a good old copy and paste. Okay. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being with us uh, here at All Places Together. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Prayer for Hospitality God of our refuge and strength, your radical hospitality was shown through your disciples Mary and Martha and was embodied in your son Jesus. In all our conversations, help us to show the attentiveness of Mary. As we prepare homes, conference tables, or classrooms, energize us with the thoroughness of Martha. And when we come to you with our anxiety, broken hearts, and fears, let Jesus' love comfort and sustain us so that we may love others in this same life-changing way. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media at All Places Together on both Facebook and Instagram. 
You can share your stories and prayers and your favorite places and how God has been there with you on Instagram and Facebook, or you can email us at allplacestogether at gmail.com. That's A-L-L-P-L-A-C-E-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R at gmail.com. To continue to see All Places grow, you can give through our website. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together, and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. In case you haven't seen on social media, we're doing a special All Places Together sticker giveaway. For any donation that's over $5 that's given this week, I'll be mailing you your very own All Places Together sticker. There's other ways to get a sticker too, and you can read more about that on our social feeds, so be sure to check that out. And thanks as always to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and everyone like you who has shared contributions. Thanks as always to our mission partners of the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you who have shared contributions. We know that it can be hard to give financially, so we celebrate all the ways that you share the stories of all places together with your people in your life. Do you remember Dr. Kayla, the dentist from episode seven? Her friend Jenna, who is also a dentist, commented on our Facebook page this week. Jenna wrote, loved it, Kayla. Even if you haven't brushed your teeth in 10 years, I can help. I have even heard you say to patients, I'm not interested in discussing the past. We are starting today. Such a great message, a poignant message about starting over and a push to start forgiving not only other people, but forgiving yourself. Jenna, we are so glad that Kayla's words were meaningful to you and that you are a dentist that shares grace as well. Who is someone that has opened up a haven of hospitality to you? Can you share this episode with Cedric's story with them as a way of telling them the difference they have made in your life? Until next time, remember that God is with you, whoever, whoever, and however you are.